Grace and peace to you from God our Father in heaven and the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week I got to spend a, a few days with some of my classmates from seminary. And it was great to be with Donna and Eric and Peter and Daniel and Minna and Arlen and others. And they were there with me during a, a time of spiritual formation that I will never forget. And after our daily chapel services, those years in seminary, we'd gather around tables for coffee and catching up. And we'd meet up for lunch at the doghouse and for burgers with our Presbyterian seminarian friends and always ask about double predestination. We'd meet up for beer and theology on Thursday evenings with professors and ask deep questions. They were friends and classmates, discussion partners, and preachers of the word who walked with me as I was being immersed in this worship-centered experience at Wartburg in Dubuque, Iowa. But I felt quite different from them in a lot of ways. They were all from the Midwest. I came from Florida. They mostly grew up in the church. It was still kind of new to me. Almost all now serve in Midwestern churches. I'd been out west for a decade before moving to Iowa. But those differences didn't matter when we came together to study the word, to learn what it meant to be pastors in this church. For the years we were together, we had this common purpose and goal, and though dissimilar in many ways, we're all called through the word to ministry. Being with them helped me to hear God's word in my life and gave me strength to serve my family, my church, my community. Formed me and shaped me in ways that I still can't fully realize. Maybe you've had an experience like that where maybe you served in the armed forces and know how that experience has transformed you. Maybe you fought cancer and are finding a new identity as survivor. Maybe you've dealt with loss and heartbreak and are still learning how that is changing you. And we change one another. More than this, we are every day being transformed through the risen and living word of God. As we move through this season of Easter, we rejoice in the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Still pondering, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for our lives and for the world? The book of Acts follows the apostles, the story of the apostles going forward into the world. As they are led to go and make disciples according to Jesus' command. And still in those days, saying Jesus is Lord could get you killed. Saul had this conversion experience just before our, our reading today. He was one who killed Jesus' followers and yet was transformed by an encounter with the risen Christ. And he went around preaching, proclaiming Jesus to all who would listen. And many didn't want to hear it. The establishment didn't care to hear about this new development, that the Messiah was the one that was crucified and that Jesus was raised from the dead. They wanted Saul, you know, the Apostle Paul, we call him that now, to suffer too. But some started to listen to this news. And the Spirit was moving. Sarah Miles wrote a book called Take This Bread. Write that down. In it, she shares a story of coming to faith after being raised by atheist parents. And she was a reporter. She had seen war 
in El Salvador and all over the world and knew the evil that people can do to each other. Yet something, some force led her to walk into a church, St. Gregory of Nyssa in San Francisco, and to take the bread and wine at Holy Communion. And at the table, she discovered God who met her in her deepest need, hunger and thirst, and provided all that she needed. There were Gentiles outside the Jewish community in Paul's day, in Peter's day, Greeks and Romans who had enough of the worship of Roman gods. Maybe they tired of it. So they came to the synagogue to hear about the God of Abraham. They were called God-fearers. Doesn't mean they were any more afraid than others, but they had respect for God. They didn't follow the law. They were still outsiders. They were not fully included in the community, but were moved, called maybe, to hear the word. And something about this word had power, enough that one who commanded warriors, a soldier, would seek out someone to tell him more about Jesus. Cornelius was something like a sergeant major in the army, something that that we could compare him to. And what could have called this career military man out of his comfort zone to be transformed, to be changed by the word? An angel appeared to him in a vision and said, go find Peter in the town of Joppa. That's the modern day Tel Aviv. It's still there. You can go there. Already Peter was there at the table in the house of a tanner. Someone who works with dead animal carcasses, okay, to make leather. Strange that Peter would be there in the first place. The tanner, Simon, would have been unclean by standards of the law. But Peter's following in the example of Jesus who sat with those on the margins, people of faith and people cast out from community. Rachel Held Evans wrote a book about faith communities called Searching for Sunday. After a life in conservative Christian surroundings in Dayton, Tennessee, she began to question her faith, to see things differently, and she left her church to start a new community. And when that didn't last long, she was heartbroken again. She eventually found a home in the Episcopal Church, and she wrote blogs online about faith and doubt, and she found a new community who supported her, who she in turn inspired with honesty and faithful insight. And she wrote this, What makes the gospel so offensive is not who it keeps out, but who it lets in. She was a speaker at our rostered leaders gathering in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Yesterday we learned that Rachel, just 37 years old, author, wife, mother of two, died after an illness, infection, and seizures. And we hold her family and all who loved her in our prayers. Through his relationship with Simon, Peter was beginning to see things in a new light, too. He was still being transformed, still on this road, still in the process. And after going up to the roof to find a private place to pray, he sees a vision, too, with all kinds of animals those that were outside the dietary laws of the Jewish faith, and the voice telling him, get up, kill, and eat. And just like he was with Jesus, he said, no, 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 that'll never happen. 
He had to hear it three times. Hard-headed Peter, the rock. Had to hear it three times to know this was the word of the Lord calling him into a new way of being, a new walk, a new way of sharing this abundant life of Jesus. But the word said, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. God has made it clean. This is not just a vision. This is Peter's conversion. This Jesus way is not just for those who followed the law. He was learning this is something new. And not just for those who earned a place in the company of the Lord who followed him before and now get to rule with power. Or those who knew the inside scoop, who sat at a table with him and shared a meal. But Jesus' resurrection means that the promise is here and now fulfilled. Jesus is with us at the table. I will be with you isn't a nice way to end a speech, not a heartfelt memory of their friendship and time together, but a promise that comes true through the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit leads those outside the faith to want to learn more like it does for Cornelius. Like it did for me and Sarah Miles. The Spirit leads us to deeper meaning, gives comfort in our despair, and guides us to new insights. Like it did for Peter. Like she did for you. For Rachel Held Evans, too. And the Spirit leads us outside the doors of this sanctuary to imagine how to serve people in our neighborhoods in new ways. Where they are. Like Judy and Lois at Martin's Mart like Leslie and Ashley at the Senior Meal Program, and to gracefully and graciously welcome people of color, our LGBTQ siblings, or those who experience homelessness and addiction without fear. This resurrection, this Jesus way, God has made every single one of us new, and we all get a seat at the table. And that can make us afraid sometimes. Maybe we are God-fearers. Unwilling to make ourselves vulnerable to those who would take advantage. And we shut doors and put up barriers to entry when we don't know how to engage with someone new. Who doesn't look like us, someone with different needs. We have questions too. Can God help me to see things in a new way? Give me strength to face the challenges that each day brings? Can God transform my broken heart? My selfish will? My forgetful mind? So we need this word of encouragement. We need this weekly gathering to hear the word that brings comfort as we confess our own guilt and selfishness. We need each other to share in our differences, to confess our fears, and to receive grace and mercy at the table. We need each one at the table to sit with us, eat with us, to be ones who reflect the love of God's word back to us, forming us for life in the kingdom. But it's God's word that changes us, transforms us. And maybe that should make us afraid. If we're ones too comfortable with our way of life, with our system of government, with our station in the world. If we're set in our ways, mostly happy with the way things are, not looking to rock the boat. We ought to be truly afraid of what God's word can do in our lives. Because it's on a cross that Jesus transformed the cosmos the universe, our earth, and all that is in it through his death and resurrection. Everything has been transformed, made new, changed from death 
into life. So we move forward with boldness. And we trust and pray. And we walk together. And we hold on to one another. And we hope together. And bear one another's burdens. Every boundary we set, God has already crossed. And every place we are called to serve, Jesus is already there. And we follow this holy curiosity sparked by the Spirit that's going ahead of us and go into uncharted territory to welcome others at the table. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.